my favorite like criticisms that like I kind of really aren't impacted by are like you know you're turning science into a tweet I'm like or you're turning science there's like the Instagramization of science which to me it's like you're comparing this design to two of the most efficient knowledge yeah. dissemination yes. platforms ever created by man I'm like thank you you, yeah. know, the most, <laughs> you can scroll through a hundred like Instagram posts or tweets in an hour you can't do that with posters Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana and I'm from the University of Oslo and I'm here with James Heathers from Northeastern University and today we have a very special guest, Mike Morrison from Michigan State University who was a former user experience or UX designer who quit his tech career to become a PhD student in work psychology and his research goal is to bring user experience design principles to science but you probably know him as the guy who's introduced a new way to design scientific research posters. Mike, thanks for joining us on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, no, no worries. I mean, it's uh, it's nice of you to say yes. I don't know how much interest this is uh, getting when it comes across to you. Oh, because, I am, I am um, very busy with poster things, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I, no. I can That's imagine <laughs> because, I mean, you've uh, is, uh, following the sort of good Heather's principles of uh, attracting activity to any given project, you seem to have um, inspired and annoyed people in equal quantities. <laughs> yes. Which is, um, which is, yeah, yeah. In the, in the, in the quest for balance, I, I'm, 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 going to be very interested in the following hour and see if I can pick up tips on kind of globally annoying UX people uh, and biologists, funnily enough. So, welcome welcome to the show. Thank it's, you very uh, much. It's very nice to meet you. Dan, would you like to ask this man a sensible question? Yeah. Uh, Mike, I want to hear the story behind the better poster. A lot of us have said and are sick of these wall of text type posters that we that we see at conferences usually, but you've actually gone and done something about it. What is the story behind this? Yeah, so I mean, the short version, the way I explain it to people like outside of science is like, basically, you know, I was a UX designer and UX, like the first lesson of UX is you want to minimize cognitive load, right? Like if you've all, you've all been to a web page and it's like got too much stuff on it or like you can't find the button you're looking for and you're like, screw it, back button, right? And for like the business, you click the back button on, like that's a catastrophe, right? And so I was the guy that would really optimize to make sure like we provided on a website, like everything you needed to know, but nothing you didn't. So when I walked into a room full of scientific posters, they're just it, it was just overloading. It was just walls and walls of text, right? Which breaks every single rule of UX, right? Like, like people are like, well, you know, so I just had this assumption, like well, everything I put on the poster goes into the attendee's brain. I'm like, no, 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 Like there's a threshold, right? And that threshold's way lower than you want it to be. And if you exceed it, the whole thing just turns into noise. Um, and so basically um, that was one of several hundred thousand frustrations I had within the first year of my PhD pro- program with science overall and, and the user experiences of it. Um, because science isn't really badly designed. It's just not designed at all. It's sort of in a phase of not even like, it's the, no, really, they have like these phases of UX maturity that are documented for companies, right? And like the first phase is like, you don't, you're not even really doing anything. You lob a couple of hours at design stuff, but you think it's mostly about making stuff look pretty and like, you know, that kind of stuff. And then like the next phase is realizing they can do things for you and help you communicate. But like science is in that phase where it's like design, what's that? It just makes things pretty, right? And so like, Anyway, um, yeah, right. You got you got to choose a color scheme for your wall of text. You know? yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, I made something yeah, bold. Yeah. That'll make it usable. Um, so, so let, let let me let me let me yeah. go to before you go on. I just want to grab a few sort of UX related things here. What's an example of a website that's got really nice, slick, proper, modern, professional user experience stuff? 
Oh, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I think people, I mean, like websites like that you use all the time, like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, right? Things that you get really addicted to that you can use really effortlessly and that you can start using very quickly. Like you didn't have to read a manual to start using Instagram and scrolling through for four hours, right? Like you just logged yeah, in right. and made sense, right? Like those kind of invisible interfaces um, are usually examples of good ones. Um, same with, I mean, Apple, of course, does a really good job. It's anything that you don't have to feel a lot of effort in learning to use where it just feels very intuitive. Okay, so I've got like anything, anything that's kind of friction-free is regarded as a good. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, design. Fri- so friction, that's, friction's that's a like, huge thing. Yeah, that's a design principle. So, well, all right. So everyone knows those websites. Mm-hmm. Um, what about a, a, an example of a website with total dog shit user experience? Oh man, F- Forbes. Um, ger- no, that would be you know all the pop-ups and everything. Like every everything you do, anything that interrupts the user experience like that and frustrates you and makes you click and has that friction point is bad. But I think the the worst offender is honestly scientific journal websites, right? Like there's some Ooh. of the worst user experiences I've ever seen in That's- my life, right? Like you want to browse an article, it's like oh I have the exact title, search no results, like and then you find it, right? And then you're oh, like oh man, that's happened to me so totally many times. the exact title. That's um, a, like and. It starts with the search engine. When you do find it, right, you click it and you're like, oh, there's the abstract. Cool. Where's the download button? Because it's in a different place on uh, every site. Oh, here so it is. True. Click it. Oh, no, no. Paywall. Okay. Log in. Oh, it's not working anymore. I have to go through my university. Oh, cool. Scanned PDF file. Well, I can't read it yet. I have to download it and put it in my <laughs> reference manager and then open. Like that's four minutes before we like, you can read 16, like, you know, Kim Kardashian articles in, the, in like the time it took you to just like get the paper <laughs> and like, and, uh, and that's a barrier, right? Like it's like. I probably all to say the same thing though. That's true. Uh, Woman, woman who is famous magically loses top news at seven. Exactly. Um, but you certainly can read a whole lot of them in the intervening time. I wrote an article a couple of years ago about how I thought that um, the the main the main interesting feature of SciHub was not actually to do with sort of access. Like everyone's got access at some level to uh, anything that they want. Even if you live somewhere else, you just ask the author, ask someone else. Um, some things are on torrent, some things are on, on paywall, some things are in, um, PubMed central. Um, some things you can just go, can anyone help me? Um, so you get access to everything eventually and eventually was the problem. So the one thing that the, I, I, I'm very happy I predicted this. The one thing that SciHub would do as much as the website itself is, um, looks a little bit sort of 1985. You expect bleep bloop and the Tetris music and pixels and shit. Um, you bang the DOA in and it works. And I thought that was the most important feature Absolutely. of it making things frictionless. Yeah. No, that's, um, and that's where, rather, that's where users flow. They flow in the direction of that friction-free path. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's in, it's in the stage now where I'm like two-thirds of people – uh, two thirds of people who are users probably have institutional yep. access. It's something. It's something like that. It's some figure like that. It's just because. Like, and also, I can't tell you. You're at MSU, right? Yeah. I can't tell you how to access an article that I have access to. I can't <laughs> right. send you my login <laughs> library details. Yeah, yeah. You have access to a different database mm-hmm. or a different uh, intermediate portal thing. So if I said go to this thing, you have to, and let's say you knew absolutely nothing about computers, you'd have to figure it out yourself from scratch. Yeah, all right. And nobody well, has yeah, it all. Look, the, <laughs> the the gauntlets, the gauntlets thrown down. I'm sorry, that was an extremely long diversion, but um, no, totally. I, I don't know how much our listeners think about 
low user experience at all. I mean, it affects it's everyone, right? Really I mean, like, thing. Well, like I mean, I mean, like, yeah. pick that part of your work, like whatever you do, right? Whatever interface you interface with most, whether it's email or article searching, and then break it, like slow your internet connection, break your email app. It's going to cripple your entire day, right? Like you've taught, you know, you've made appointments with people who are like, oh, it's going so slow right now, right? So all of science's workflows are crippled right now, as far as I'm concerned. We're wasting hours and hours per researcher every single day, slowing the pace of progress because of these massively inefficient interfaces. It's, it's the worst UX I've ever seen in my life and, it, and the most consequential. Like it's, it's killing billions of people and like not just losing email signups. And it's so true, <laughs> especially with the, uh, with the journal websites. But okay, so... It's clear we have this uh, big problems with scientific posters, um, and it's it's incredible that what what I, what I find amazing is that everyone knows it's bad, but yeah. Yeah, no one's actually done anything about it. What got you to the point where you're like, I'm gonna actually suggest a, a better way to do to do posters, and and walk us through the main differences between your typical scientific poster and the better poster. Sure. Um, so your typical scientific poster is sort of a paper on the poster. You have the intro method results. Uh, it's plastered all over it. You can think of it kind of like if billboards had paragraphs on them as you're driving by, right? It's exactly like that. And I think it kind of exactly that silly. Um, and so the, um, I guess I kind of saw that and I had, I did that at first. You know, I got into grad school and I tried to be like everybody else. And even though I have a design background, which I should know better, right? But I didn't. I was like, I want to conform. I don't want to stand out. You know, I want to, I want to, you know, be a good scientist. And so I splattered my posters and I did extra things. Like I made them like more colorful. I added more images, right? But like I would have posters get completely ignored. And I think we've all had this experience, right? Um, and the people who do, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, it's terrible. Right? It's so gutting. You're like, wow, yeah. I and suck it, look, You have to add additional drag factors. This is not only is it that, but then there's me standing next to it. Okay, <laughs> so you know, two two strikes, and then usually the, the sort of critical content. So people sort of like look. You know how that everything's organized into tiers. I've had people look round. <laughs> At the tears <laughs> contain me and looked at the poster and me just like sitting in a chair next to it drinking beer and gone, no, nope. there can't possibly be any science There's no there. good science there. And look, he doesn't look I'm like certain, good science. <laughs> I'm, certain that the, I'm certain that the poster didn't help, the, the design of everything that I've used. I haven't done a poster in years because a lot of the time I don't see the fucking point. Um, yeah, no, you get that. You get that. I, I, my master's thesis was on a meaningful work. And like the quickest way to strip meaning from work is to give you that Sisyphus experience of like rolling a boulder up the hill and we have it roll back down. So like almost like if 50 people walked by and yelled at you for how terrible poster your poster is, that's better than like people just not even seeing it. Right. And like, it's, just, it's like, it's more gutting for people to just like not even know you exist. Right. Like it's just, and like, it's just, it's so, it's so awful, but they're, they're just, they have this huge potential. Like I don't hate poster sessions. I think they have massive potential to be like, cause you're walking into a room open to any insight. You're like seeding serendipity. And that's a great, like, we have the, we have the eyeballs of a hundred scientists for an hour. What are you going to do with them? And right now we're kind of wasting it. That's, but, that's right. Yeah. I, uh, I'd see that's a you, the the language that you've just used is that very much reminds me of like anyone who has to do what they sometimes call attention arbitrage on the internet. Yeah, this is a kind of world that crossover. I mean, we do a lot of stuff with wearables here. Wearables need sort of websites and access, and they're, they're, a lot of the time you're giving a physiological measurement device to someone who doesn't know what the hell that means. So everything in the website, the internals, the graphics, the the the, the guts of how you make it work. 
The whole thing has to be properly designed or it's never going to be a success. It's just going to be weirdos like me who buy it, who prefer something that looks like a, you know, Soviet-style 1975 grey box with a forest of angry wires coming out of it because it probably means it works better um, just because those, those, those companies have tripled down on their engineering capacity Reliable. and haven't bothered making it look fancy. Um, I mean, you, you, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I've never thought of it from that perspective before, like the loss of attention. As all those people in the room, and it's not a matter of, oh, they're not interested, because sometimes you browse. Some, look, some people like me do posters focused, right? I've got six things written on a piece of paper. I go into the room. I want to talk to all of those authors for 15 minutes each. Right. I don't, because I don't that's, dick but that's out. your only choice right now. That's one of those things people have that perspective of like, oh, well, I like, you know, like like picking two posters in advance and going really deep. It's like right now with the way poster design, that's your only option. You only you could, it takes you ten to fifteen minutes to understand a single poster and to really spend time with it because of the way they're designed. So the culture of poster sessions is built around that. Like, I'm only going to get two. Which two is it going to be? When if if we design posters so you could get fifty insights. Would you still need to do that, or could you like be more open to stuff? I don't know. That's 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 what I wonder. I honestly think I would spend more time doing what you've described. I would spend more time Just knocking wandering. around if yeah. the kind of the the basic approachability of the format exactly is different. Mm -hmm. that, that approachability I, is the key I actually, word. I actually think I would. And Dan will tell you, I'm a miserable asshole. <laughs> skeptic, skeptical of things like this. I really do. I really yeah. do think I would. But it, we're, we're like the poster designs are making you have to be that miserable asshole, right? Like if if, if it brought oh, some no, of the no, magic no, I back, that you know? on my own <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. you're, you're saying you're saying there's, a, there's an additive factor. <laughs> it's both. Yeah, okay, fair enough. absolutely, sure. So so okay. So the the, yeah. the, the main but the main differences between the, yes. the traditional poster and uh, how I mean it's a bit hard. This this is not a visual medium, obviously. But how how would sure. you best describe how the better poster works or how it so looks it's like? basically it, it kind of looks like a TV with speakers on the side. Um, so you have like the big middle area in the middle. It's kind of like your billboard, and that contains the main finding of your study in big print, translated into main into plain English. And the idea there is that like even experts prefer prefer plain English, right? Like we say, like no, we need this like precise. It's like no, you know, like it's faster if you just use the plain English and infer the jargon from there. And then you can decorate your billboard. So anything you do in marketing, in advertising, like you add images or things like that, um, or like clever backgrounds, even typography later on will help you reinforce that core message. So you have this core message and then you add these imageries. And what it does is, is it helps the, the attendee elaborate in their mind. It helps drill in that main finding and really teach people things as they walk past, right? And then if they want more detail, since your poster is already, instead of just giving you a subject, it's teaching people something. So after you've taught people something as they walk past it, they want more, then you can approach it. And there's a sidebar on the left called the silent presenter that contains like a tight one minute summary of your research. Like, again, it has to look um, very approachable. You're not going to want to look walk up to it. But it's just sort of intro methods results gives you more detail on how you found what you found, you know, the specific figures, like your key figures, things like that. Then... If they want to talk to you over by where you're standing on the right is a second sidebar that has like your extra figures and tables, like all your nuance that you're like worried about people asking about. Um, and then for the last step, if people really want more detail than that, then you have a QR code on the poster that people can scan and it gets a copy of the full paper. Oh, okay, right. So you're treating as, a, as opposed to this is something where you can do all the, the expected interaction in the same place. The poster's confined to the hook. 
basically, and something that's essentially the paper is behind the hook in the QR code. Yeah, you can think of it like uh, I know in design it's called progressive disclosure. I think where you sort yeah, of have layers, that rings some kind of L. Yeah, yep. it's like you have you have a ten second layer, a one minute layer, and then a five minute layer and a thirty minute layer. But the the attendee can choose which they can which one they want to approach. Versus giving them, I think we usually design posters for that guy who's going to read every sentence for fifteen minutes, right? When really your main audience is the fifty people walking past, so it I, it doesn't overload those guys. I really like that because I often see PhD students uh, have have a pitched rehearsed. And that's great. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, exact, it does. It's great. It's, exactly. it's exactly the same pitch, regardless yep. of I'm somebody who's devoted my life to this specific field versus I'm someone who has a broad understanding of the idea, but people still do the same pitch. When all you need to yep. ask is, okay, uh, what, what's your background? And then you adjust your pitch accordingly. But it sounds like you've actually introduced that within your actual poster design in that you've got the you've got the got almost the 10-second pitch. Yeah. Exactly right. Then yeah. the th- a minute and then the sort of more. And, and I, I really like that. I, I think it works. I mean, I think, and, and that pitch is so important. Like, we don't train people enough to do that. We say it's important, but what the poster does is sort of force you, like, okay, develop your pitch, you know, and you, and we got to get good at that, you know. Uh, I think one of the interesting criticisms to me is like, well, like, what if somebody, you know, is too salesy with their pitch, right? It's like, look, the design's job was to make people pay attention to your content, right? It did that. So now people are like, well, people are reading this. Oh my God, you know, yeah. like, they're actually reading our science. What are we saying? It's like, well, <laughs> There's a discussion we need to have, you know, and like, um, and anything that makes science more accessible is going to, even open access will have that problem when, you know, because I think when scientists are getting in, in front of the public, um, they're going to, there's going to be that urge to sensationalize. So we're going to have to deal with that anyway. But I, I think most, most scientists are trained to be skeptical enough that I've seen people write pitches and they're really good, you know, and you want, you want everybody at that conference to be able to understand it. You don't need to buzzfeed it, right? You just need everybody walking through who's not in that area, you know, to be able to interpret your finding, not just the people in your sub area. Now, your, your video introducing the better poster has gone ridiculously viral. Oh, it's so spread, it spread everywhere. <laughs> and so, I am happy, but like, holy crap. No, hang yeah. on. How, 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 I've, I haven't seen it because I'm a shit person. What? Um, <laughs> where, 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 where is it? Um, is it on the YouTube? Yeah, it's on, it's on the YouTube. What, ha, how, many, how many views are we talking now, uh, Mike? Uh, we're uh, around a quarter of a million, I think. Quarter which, you of know, a million. Which from the world I come from in web development, Shit. like that's nothing hey. on the web, right? But in science, I'm that's... pretty sure that's everybody. Considering how viral it's gone, what's, what surprised you the most about the response? Honestly, how positive it was. I mean, like, I, like I'm going. I went viral on the internet in the most cynical community d- designed by <laughs> mankind. Of scientists, right? They're all like, you know, we're, we're disagreeable by nature. We're trained to be disagreeable, right? And they're so positive. Like, it's it's like ninety percent positive. The parts that are negative, I've gotten some really constructive like feedback and stuff like that. Like the negative people were still really constructive. Um, and I just, I wasn't expecting that. I thought I thought it would be. 10 times as controversial as it was. I thought people would send me way more hate mail than I'm getting. And, and they weren't. They were just like, great, we love it. Let's do it. And let's try it. And like, um, and they're helping me. Like, I've got all this goodwill. People are helping me like test it and validate it. And like, they're, they're willing to try it. Um, I was really surprised by that and really encouraged. Like, I, I don't think people, people have this image in their head of like what another scientist is like. And it's like this, it's like the, the biggest asshole in your department who criticizes everything you do. Like, that's who you think a scientist is when really it's always like supportive passionate nerdy people and like i think i got to experience that in a way a lot of people don't because i got to feel like the support of all of like scientists from every single discipline and they're all so similar they're just you know they're passionate about the stuff they they like getting the word out more they have the same kind of pains 
And that was that was really great. Uh, it was really wonderful. So well, I've seen a few people grumping on. Oh, of course, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but um, I've, 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 I, let me let me put it this way. Uh, I think it would be challenging for me to locate someone under the age of fifty who was grumping on it hard. There's no offense, old rubbish people. By touching um, that one, <laughs> we've had a lot of people over fifty very supportive. What do you What do you think the best? Yeah, you you don't. They're, they're not listening to this. You you don't have to say that. <laughs> um, what, what do you What do you think the best sort of constructive criticism you've got as feedback has been? Because I mean, obviously, like sure. something that I don't know how long you spend on this, but um, presumably this isn't the culmination of multiple years of effort designing a thing that's got a in the whatever, right? No, no, it's it's basically a version one software product. And that's how I'm treating right. So, right? So, so, a so a lot of yeah. people have been pitching in to try and help, which yeah, is absolutely. great. What are the what what's the sort of what's the initial like useful feedback from a design perspective that you've got so far? So the biggest one, it's also the hardest one for me, is so when you put your takeaway in the center, and I've noticed this using the poster myself, the you don't have to explain your study anymore. People will walk up and they'll ask you about the specific study, and that's great. But the second question they ask is, how did you find that, right? Like, what are your methods, right? Um, which is better than them having you having to resummarize your whole study every time. But I think um, people are really kind of craving a way, especially in more visual fields like planetary science, where like a planet is your this is your finding, right, um, or something, to be able to display fig- key figures and methods to the people walking by in that first layer or maybe between the first layer and the sidebar. And so version two of the design, or it's really just sort of layout two. I'm just going to pitch, I'm just going to put up different layouts and see what works for people. Um, but the next layout I'm releasing has sort of a, like a stage area for your key figure to, to show off that, that, um, that more detail a little bit better. Um, so that's it. I think it's, 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 it's integrating more figures in a key, like key figures and um, methods um, in, a, in, a, in a better way so that we sort of pair. Yeah. We want that baby between advertising and science. We don't want it too leaning either way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, okay. Let me, let me, uh, I've obviously not every single poster in the entire world right now has always been, uh, always been handled like, you know the whole wall of text business. So let me let me throw a few sort of aberrant designs past you and okay. uh, uh, different cool. things that I, I, I've, I've seen over the years. All right, one was uh, normal size, big old cardstock split into six things, and there were troll dolls. You probably weren't alive. <laughs> well, I was alive. I'll order that look. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the people. This is the problem with the problem with audio is that no one can see. You look about four hundred years younger than how I feel right now. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> cling, cling to it. Um, so there's six there's six panels, and they've got troll dolls, and the entire entire content of the paper is in speech bubbles coming out of the troll dolls, and manages manages to be. Uh, there's probably not more than let's say ten to fifteen words, including relevant statistics between each of the speech bubbles that's incredible so i think i was worried there at first that you were going to say the troll dolls were saying a lot of things because then it's like you've you've created that novelty that interest but you're still not you're still high effort communication when you get inside the bubbles but if they kept the bubbles that short sure that's great i i I actually love that let's i think and that's where you'll see it go it's really like i'm not really pushing one layout or another i'm pushing quick interpretability walking by and if you can do that with troll dolls 
hell yes, you know, I, I would love to see that poster. It, that sounds great. I, I, it, yeah, it would it would have been a, uh, an amount of information that was somewhere between your center panel and your left panel. I still think you need a main um, a main takeaway. So there needs to be a focal takeaway. Um, I think the main takeaway is that the the, the research was a bit bad. Shit. <laughs> um, That's still I, worth. I, <laughs> I would stop and talk to I that guy was, for sure. <laughs> I thought it was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I loved it. I know um, it's such a nice I, break too, right? There's something in UX design called surprise and delight, which is like more than just informing people efficiently. You need to like have help them have fun getting informed, and I think that really pulled that off. It sounds like. Yeah. Okay. So all right, big big tick for the troll dolls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's here's uh, here's here's another one. I think this is a bit more controversial. Okay. I've seen this in, I know uh, my mate Pascal in New York designs posters like this, and I've seen biology people creeping up to doing a similar sort of design. It's literally just titles and figures. So I don't mind that, and that's something that I've been wanting somebody. If somebody's out there listening to this portrait layout, try that because it. it if you view your poster as just a presentation aid, right, if that's the only purpose of a poster, then really a takeaway and figures is all you really need because you're going to be explaining everything like, you know, one by one, right? Um, and it's an interesting thing if that's how you'd rather run your session. I think the missing piece from that and what I noticed with uh, the hyper minimalist layout, I don't know if you guys saw the, the yellow one. It's like I did a very, very – like. Skimmable sidebar with not a lot of content, and everyone read it. And I think what happened was if you if you give people that quick summary, right, um, not just the takeaway and the figures, if it's quick enough, people will read that before talking to you. So that when they're talking to you, they know your background, they know your methods, they know your results. So the questions they ask are really really deep. So I think that layer might be important, but I don't know that if you were to change the title in that example to punchline. Um, I don't know that I have, I'd I'd like to see how that works. I think it'd be good for presenting, but I think it could be more informative if you helped teach to the people who want to read or skim. Yeah, right. I think that's probably better when you've got some level of sort of specialty assumption in the audience. Like if you've got a a conference of 200 people and they all work on some particular mechanism and, um, there's no question the vast majority of people can just grok whatever's in the yeah, exactly. immediately. Yep. If, if you're at that level um, of specialization already, then you're just topping off people, with, especially I think in a smaller conference where you can talk to everybody. Um, that would that might work. Yeah, I think psychophysics people could get a lot out of that because, you know, it's a lot of well-understood quantities mm. and uh, lots of lots of graphs and very powerful effects that speak for themselves. Yeah. But, uh, it, it might do all right. I would still recommend yeah. killing the title. I hate titles. I think they're I mean, I think in UX design, the purpose there's something called information sent, and information sent is like how much you like a title or some kind of link text promises to give you the information you're looking for, how much it seems like it's going to. And a title's purpose is to sort of cue you to what's on the on the poster. But if you if you replace that with just like the takeaway, and you teach somebody something, you use the ta- the same time they spent reading, teaching them and learning and helping them learn, which gives them a stronger information sent than a title gives them. But I get that. Huh. Kill the title. Kill the title. It's so weird. Down when with you titles. Have a I know. Very pump rock. Like, Mike Morrison wants to kill the title. <laughs> so, so you, and you've got- some guy who writes witty titles can be like, I love my, like, it's, people are really good at witty titles. I do enjoy a witty titles. Oh, uh, puns. We're, oh, we're, like, we're no, a big the fan puns of pun the, titles you know, here on, on Everything Hurts. 
Absolutely. But like those, those, that, that's surprise and delight, right? You're looking that's at boring journey articles delight. and then you get like this one uh, that's like, you know, really kind of like witty. You know, you're like, oh, you know, <laughs> and then you read it. You like that paper better for no reason other than the title made you laugh. Oh, no, I, I think it's people remember <laughs> pun titles more. Absolutely. Like, like, I remember, yeah, yeah, that's and the only titles I remember. <laughs> I, 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 will, I, will, I will argue anyone that tells me that puns are bad for titles. Um, but but yeah, we're, we're going off topic a little bit. Um, yeah. now, <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not allowed to go off the off topic yet. Yeah. I want to tell you about one I found a yesterday pun? that I love. I love. Yeah, right. I love so very, very much. It's the most amazing lost opportunity you could possibly imagine. Sure. Um, I don't know if you, Mike, know the journal PJ. I do. Oh, right. Okay. Everyone who's listening is probably uh, well aware of it as well. Um it was a paper. It was a paper that was on a class exercise where they went to a fish market <laughs> to make they make determination uh, about what the fish actually was, and, and up to about half of fish can't be visually identified as being something or something else, right? So you end up with oh, it's place. It looks like cod. Shit like that goes on all the time. So they went as a class, they took a bunch of samples, and then they went and DNA tested it. And to my absolute horror, they did not call the paper fishy business. (laughs) It had the title that was like, a class exercise of taking people to a fish market to hit fish with a stick. Come on, man. Talk about leaving money on the table. That was was so fishy business. Could have been fishy fishy business colon. The rest of that would have been way better. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> see, see, but that's but that's a good that's a double pun. God damn it! No other bastard thought of it. That's ah, uh, there should be a service stand like Jane Biosemantics yes. where you can write oh, your title in yes. and it will suggest oh, a funny suggest pun puns. For you. I've seen that because there, there are similar services where you put your title in and it'll suggest acronyms. I don't know what it's like in the states, but in Europe they're mad for study acronyms. Really? People, well, oh yeah, no, even, I, even when they don't work. Yeah, yeah, that, oh, they'll, they'll do the shoppers. crazy. Like back wheels and, and, and convoluted things, but there are actual websites where you can go in and you can put your study sort of thing in and it'll make the, the, the craziest acronym. So we need we need <laughs> funds. Hertz listeners, if, if, if this is your expertise, uh, we, we will support you 110% for, oh, the, uh, for the pun yeah. generator. Oh. Yeah, pun generator would be amazing. The acronym thing scary. As a psychologist who like everybody's putting their, you know, like acronym out and like inventing their construct and coining their term, I really hope no psychologists are listening to you and hearing that because <laughs> it'll just make it so much worse. <laughs> but yeah, it, no, a pun generator would be amazing too. <laughs> One question we often get from listeners is how they can support the show. And we have two ways. The first is financially via Patreon. And uh, we have two support tiers. The first one is a dollar a month, and with that, you get the Everything Hurts newsletter, access to behind-the-scenes photos and videos, and that warm feeling that you are supporting the show. Uh, If you join our $5 Professor Fancy Pants tier, you get access to all those things, and in addition to that, uh, an exclusive mini-episode, which is released every single month. Our last episode was on ResearchGate, and that was quite popular. So, if you sign up, you get access to all the bonus episodes moving forward, but also the back catalogue of bonus episodes. The second way you can, you can support the show is via social media. We would love it if you could post about the show on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Snapchat, whatever platform you are using. Now, let's get back to the show. So, 
so so you have you have gotten a lot of uh, constructive feedback with with your with your with your posters. What 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 are some of the most common misunderstandings that you get? Because I'm sure a lot of people were like, oh, what, what, what's this? And that and and they'll they'll throw in that hot take. What are some oh, common Christ. misunderstandings that you do get? Oh man, um, I think. Uh Okay, here are my my favorites. Like, uh, yes, well, yes. I think I mean the, the most the most common is like people who haven't tried it, right? And like it's my biggest frustration. Like I listen really really closely to feedback from people who've tried it, and they're like, "Hey, I I missed this or I wanted this," right? Uh, but people who haven't mm. tried it and they're just responding to like the overall like you know purpose of it and like the and just like just the overall meaning of it, the abstract. Those kind of people, I'm sort of like you know maybe try it first and then come back and if you still feel that way. Because um, a lot of people convert when they try it. They'll try it and they realize that the thing's designed for attendees more than it is for presenters. And if you entertain the attendees, you get the pre- presenting experience by default. Um, but anyway, I think the uh, my favorite like criticisms that like I kind of really aren't impacted by are like, you know, you're turning science into a tweet. I'm like, or you're turning science, it's like the Instagramization of science, which to me, it's like you're comparing this design to two of the most efficient knowledge yeah. dissemination yes. platforms ever created by man. I'm like, thank you. You, yeah. know, like the most, <laughs> you can scroll through a hundred like Instagram posts or tweets in an hour. You can't do that with posters. And like, and people, and like, you've seen that on, on Twitter, like people share these better posters. You can't share a normal scientific poster. You can share a better poster on social media and get that science out, right? Same deal with the other one, which is like, Oh, you're turning science into a meme. I'm like, yeah, yeah. By definition, memes spread. Like that's what they do. Like, isn't that what science we want science to do? Or, um, or you know, you're you're so both both of those criticisms seem to be kind of about the respectability. Yes, of absolutely. Like it's sort of like, don't you know it's not done that way, Michael? It's, that, don't you know it's not the way <laughs> of things? I'll start hearing that voice now. That's fair. <laughs> that'll that'll oh, haunt you. I'll, I'll yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah no, I'll send you. I'll send you some of them so you can read them and like in that voice. Um, uh, that'll be that'll be a good laugh. Are they public criticisms? I mean, if, they, if they've got a problem with what you're doing, I'm sure it's kosher to laugh at them in public. Of course, <laughs> I try to. I try yeah. to be. You know, like you know, I, I kind of view this as like. I'm kind of like fighting a, a it's a war to me with life and death consequences to, not just for my design but for to make posters trans you know communicate knowledge more efficiently and disseminate it more efficiently and it has like life life or death consequences again and like to me I view it more as like the holdouts is like well it's on me to create something that works for them too right like if I want them to use something better too then I have to create something that works for them more than just proving that they're being dumb like i mean because if i i mean like of course it's because there is some like there are some really good holdouts that i I need to understand better and then some people like that i know 100 percent are being dumb right it's like i know what you're responding to is this there's this mechanism if you've read like thinking fast and slow um where like if you if you do an experiment and you make a task artificially difficult people will assume that they're stupider right? Like, oh, I must be dumb. I can't do this task, right? When the task was harder for you, like they made it hard, right? Um, and if you make it easier, people assume they're smarter. And so the same thing happens with science where you have this poster that's really dense and complicated and you're like, man, that looks like good science. That feels like really good science, you know? And it's like, you're not really responding to the science. You're responding to like what it feels like, the, the difficulty, the cognitive ease, right? And so like, I think to the when really it was just the design that was doing that to you. And so like, I think some of the people who are like, it's not, it's not, it doesn't feel sciencey. It's like, do you want me to add fake graphs to it? Would that make it feel more sciencey? Cause I will do that. And then you're like, now it looks sciencey. And like, well, like, yeah, it didn't say anything. Are you reading the graphs? And like, I just want to make sure design wise that whatever I do to this design or do to poster designs in general, I'm adding it for the user, for people, how people actually use them, not like the feel of scienceiness, you know? And like, I, that's, that's hard to do because the feel does matter too, I guess. Um, 
That's a weird, that was a weird rant. Sorry. No, no, yeah, that's yeah. that's a that's a good rant. I just I've, I I I fail to see how it could have any like strong lasting consequences for adding this kind of alleged colossal superficiality if you are in fact using it as a vehicle to link the thing itself with all of the required information. Man, I was putting QR codes on my posters <laughs> when I was a master's student, which is more than 10 years ago or something. It's not nice. some new idea. No, it's old. It's exactly. It's not some new idea. Yeah. It's as old as shit. Totally. No, none of these like no, like none of these ideas are actually that new or that smart. Like they're really just like I mean like uh, if you took a, a like a uh, like a Nobel Prize winning physicist poster and you gave it to like an intern at a UX company. The intern could improve <laughs> it, right? Like it's like these aren't advanced like stuff in UX design. And like the QR code again, it's it, it's been around forever. They're super easy to create, um, and like we just haven't had a good use for them. But hopefully, we'll create that. I think it's now much easier yeah. that smartphones automatically recognize it's a QR code. Oh, it's so okay, it's so great. Yeah, Years ago, I, that I wasn't tried, the case. Like, five people's phones. Oh no, totally. I was I was borrowing friends' phones when I was creating that video. Like, make sure make sure this works. Now, I, I understand. I mean, I understand that you're actually now collecting data, comparing the performance of the, of the better poster against the traditional template. How does that actually work in, in, in reality? How are you doing this? So that's that's actually the hardest part of that has been that uh, conference real estate is really precious, right? Like they can't, um, like they, they have so many of them are submissions. They can't add posters if we wanted to do, like the, like the purest way to test it is you have a row full of better posters and a row full of the old design and they have the same content. They said same studies, but different designs, right? And then you test for all these outcomes. But I can't get that extra real estate. So what we're doing in a lot of conferences is we're asking people to sign up They'll, they'll, they'll ask their participants if, if they want to participate in a, uh, or that's their submission people, it, attendees. That's what I wanted. Um, people are accepted. They sign up for, to participate in a poster study and then they randomize them and then assign them to either like get the better poster advice or get the, like just do the traditional. And then we're going to, and then in another conference, we're, we're going to have a row of one and a row of other. Um, there'll be different content, but it gets us close and we're going to do it over enough conferences that hopefully we'll be able to see. Um, and that's, that's, that's the official test that's coming. Um, we've also got like one of my collaborators has, is good, is really good with eye tracking gear, um, which is where I really want to go. I really, the, the holy grail for me though, is like rate of discovery. Like that's all I care about, right? Like people, a lot of these objections are like, well, I, you know, I like only having two 30 minute conversations. And it's like, you know, like if, if there's a poster design out there that accelerates the pace of science, but tweaks down a little bit on the 30 minute conversations, or that super detail that one or two people, right? Like, sorry, you know, it's, it's sort of like it's, it's, what we're in this for is to advance the pace of hu like human progress as much as we can through these poster sessions. And so I really want to, I mean, that's, that's not measurable, but insight is measurable and learning is measurable. And so if we were able to show that a poster a session full of better, po better, po better posters or some facsimile of them increases insight and learning and even like spontaneous insight, right? What I, which I'd love to see um, over the traditional design then we have something magic, right? Um, and that's what I'd love to show eventually. But um, we're doing that. We've done a we've done a couple of exit or one exit survey. Um, the the one exit survey that's been done showed that uh, sixty eight percent of attendees preferred even like the plain Jane better poster, which is the color block, um, over the traditional design. And the unofficial answer is. Like I've heard nothing but like amazing stuff from people who've tried it. Like I think, um, and I've tried it myself. And like personally, I will never go back. It was the best poster session of my life. Um, and and a lot of people who've tried it have said things like that, or just like I got more. I felt like I got to talk to more people, or they asked better questions. Um, and then like, I think it's really yeah. So I think 
it, it seems to be very promising so far. Um, so th- that that better poster that you did was that a better poster about the better poster? That was the meta poster. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, no, totally. Love that, it. So okay, I gotta tell you the story of this because it's this killing me. I know we're almost out of time here. No, 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 please, please. Okay, all right. So that was a that was a freaking experiment. Like I was just like I was you know I had already I did my first like regular better poster at my own fields conference back in April. Right, it was amazing. It was the best poster session of my life. I got more attendees. I got better questions. It worked exactly like in the video where like all these people are using the different features. Like I had that moment. It was incredible. And then I was like, you know. I was going to use this poster poster at APS, at, you know, the Association for Psychological Science, to like showcase the better poster originally, right? But I was like, it's already out there. The video's gone viral, right? I don't need to like show people it. I'm going to do something weird, right? <laughs> Again, I'm going to use this chance to sort of experiment with the design and see how far I can push it. So I was like, what if I did like a really minimal one, right? Like like super minimal. I mean, like cut the content in the in the silent presenter bar to a fourth or less of what it is, right? Have only a slogan in the main in the billboard area, right? Have no kill the cheat sheet completely, right? Um, just have really just a sidebar in a main area, um, and the QR code, right? And I was like, I just want to see how this if this works, just design wise, right? And I go there and like, it worked amazing. Like I learned so much from that. Like people, like people would come up and instead of just asking me directly, they'd be like, hold on a second. And they'd skim my sidebar for 45 seconds, learn my methods or whatever. And then, and then ask me better questions. And I was like, holy crap, I just made the sidebar work. And I was so excited about it. And then of course I take this like picture of like, here's my silly meta poster, right? Experiment. And then that's the one that goes like, that's the only selfie I have. So when journalists like want a picture, I'm like, well, I only have this one, but it's not a better poster. It's this weird experiment. And people are like, and, and people hated, like, they were like, it's too far, right? Like, that really offended people, like, the minimalist layout. They're like, that's pushing it too far. And I was like, it's not the, you know, it's not the better poster. You gotta, like, I wish I had a picture with the real one with the figures and the graphs and the sciencey feel. And, like, but I don't have this one super, like, Instagrammy one that, like, that's the one that went, you know, like, got all the, like, press attention because I co- took a good photo with it. But, like, that's my one regret in all of this is I should have took taken the catchy photo with like the real better poster with a real study on it and figures and graphs like it's supposed to have, not this like weird minimalism experiment that pissed everybody off. <laughs> you, you the record it works. It totally worked though. You, you mentioned something a few times which has really stuck with me is that people are asking better questions. Absolutely. How mm, how yeah. how does that happen? And how these yeah walk us through this idea. So like what's when you're presenting a poster, like the most common phrase you hear is people walk up to you and they're like, so tell me about your poster, which is like, I have no idea what it says. I picked two <laughs> keywords out of the title and I want you to explain everything to me. Or they start like, they start manologue and like, I study meaningfulness. It's like, so meaningfulness. Here's what I think about meaningfulness. They don't even ask about the study, you know? And like, um, and those, because like if your poster's too overwhelming, all people get is like the subject that they skimmed out of the title, right? And that's why they stopped. Um, Whereas if you're, if your poster actually teaches them the takeaway, right? So by, by the time they've walked up to a better poster, they've seen your main finding from across the room, right? They know what you found. They know your study's design. And so the first questions they ask are not give me an entire summary or let me tell you what I think about this, but like, hey, did you think about this? Or like, what about this case? Um, or like, you know, like I, one comment I got was like, you know, uh, you know, I'm from a collectivist culture. We would probably view this issue differently. Did you test for that? Which is a great question, you know, and I, I didn't. Um, but like, uh, I think that uh, it was very constructive. And then they ask about methods and things like that. So you're getting this immediate conversation about the details of your study versus having to give everybody who walks up, and by everybody, I mean two people, an overview, right? Um, and so it, it was really, I didn't expect that. And But it makes sense that like if you... 
if you teach somebody something before they walk up, they, they're at a deeper level by the time they start talking than if they have to start from scratch every time. Amazing. And I think, yeah, the song I've been thinking about a lot and we've talked talk about on, on, the, on the show recently is this idea of reducing friction. So much yeah. about academia, people are stretched for time, whether it's at a conference, um, whether it's reading emails, uh, whether, whether, whether it's your, your, your mentor answering yep. stuff and e- everything. If you can reduce friction, every single thing you do, your academic life is going to be so much easier. And this really Absolutely. hits on that. Friction is the is the most important word in user experience design, right? It's, it's being able to feel that friction and then iron it out and, and enjoy the efficiency that comes from it. And like you said, people are walking around, they're busy. People are like, well, I'm smart. I can digest, you know, 16 paragraphs of information in 10 seconds. It's like, you can't, you know, like nobody's working memory is that big, you know, and like, and like every, and they're busy. It's like, so, so you're, so you're super smart. You're thinking about like, well, how do I solve fusion? Well, guess what? That leaves a small part of your brain for processing this poster, you know, and like, um, and it's just like everybody has limited resources. Everybody's, you know, everybody's lazy to a certain extent in the way they process information. We all skim. So what's next? Better papers? Presentations. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I got to build up the papers, man. That's that's a white <laughs> whale. Like, like, that's a, um, like, yeah, it's yeah. I think I think I'd like to uh, present. I think the next thing is probably better poster the next layout, like the one that incorporates the the stage and explains more of these user experience principles. Because I I did a, I made a lot of the decisions just on the fly, based on principles, but I didn't explain the principles. And I think some of the pushback was not getting that like like why a column slamming everything into a column. It's like well. If, if you just do everything in a column, your eyes only have to move vertically down. Whereas if you splatter it all over the place, you have these random layouts and people have to like scan their eyes all over the place and learn the layout. So like there's things like that that I'll explain in the, in the Better Poster 2 video that's coming. And then um, helping conferences roll it out. And then hopefully about uh, March next year, somewhere around then, I'll have a video on um, on presentations. And then wow. hopefully I'll work up to um, to, to, to publishing and um, papers and maybe someday – Social issues would be amazing to try to tackle <laughs> with research, but like that, once that, I've established my poster credibility, I'll take on healthcare. That, that. <laughs> <laughs> Best of luck with that, Michael. Yeah, thank you. Enjoy that particular dirt. Poster designer has take on democracy. <laughs> did, did, did you? Did you? What was your? Just like a curious side question. When you did UX stuff, what was your job? Did you have like a client facing job, or were you sort of like back office knocking things together? Everything. So I worked at startups. I'm I'm kind of a like a I have. I'm, I'm kind of a jack of all trades, king of none type, um, like to my own chagrin. Um, and so like, it makes me very good for startups where they need like one person to wear a lot of different hats. Um, so I was a, the technical term is a full stack developer. So I did backend coding, front end coding, like HTML and JavaScript, um, and like animation with JavaScript and stuff. And then also design and UX and like product development and management and everything. Um, so we basically built a software product that's kind of like, uh, like if you were used like WordPress or Wix or Weebly, like a website builder, it was a competitor yeah. to them. Um, and so we managed that. We had about 250,000 users, um, a lot of small businesses building their own websites. Um, I did that for a while. Um, and I did, I was the guy who would go into those user stats. Um, and I would see like when you'd, um, when you when you make a button more prominent or when you buried it, it would affect how people behaved on the website and it would have these big consequences. Um, so that's hey, right. I, I, I honestly I can't wait for you to tackle um, presentations yet. 
uh, to presentations oh, in the future. Oh, that that that's going to be incredible because that, that, that there is there is such a need. Posters is one thing, but there is such a need to improve presentations. But then the paper thing, I think the the, the thing about posters and presentations is that that's actually up to the individual, and the individual can change it. And if enough people, I went to a conference, a small conference, biological psychology conference in Germany last week, and I saw better posters everywhere. This Did thing you know is spreading. Great. Yeah, yeah, okay, it's cool. it's, it's incredible. <laughs> I should I should take some photos because I knew I was uh, going to be chatting with you. Um, presentations that can spread yeah all happens someone will go hey that presentation's amazing and then but then but and and then oh you're what, right what, I didn't what, think what about that. they'll see that technique and they'll be like oh i could do that too and i like, can do that too like and they'll spread yeah. but papers oh, yeah, papers is going to be harder because obviously yeah. there's a few publishers but i think one place where you can change things is preprints the the format of a preprint is up to the individual yeah so, so for that's people the, i think that's the future that is so your have that you guys hang on have you guys seen Andrew York's papers on GitHub? No. no. Explain. Yes. These are phenomenal. He's assigned his own DOI, designed his own output. There's things, there's little quizlets, there's animations. The whole thing is compiled as a Git page. You can download a PDF if you want. There's interactive elements. Oh, I think I have seen uh, this. This there's is sick. Pictures, there's pictures and videos. And... They're citable objects. Then, um, and you know, this is a dude who works in microscopy, so I don't think he's super concerned with like a the the normal approachability of the subject because he's like, ah, confocal microscope, inside, outside, upside down bollocks. So I do not understand the theory involved because you know you're a physicist and you build a microscope. Obviously, there's some technical shit's going to go down. <laughs> but the actual format itself, like the inbuilt flexibility of compiling a citable object like that is amazingly appealing to me. We will have to stick these in the show notes. We will. Because I love them about as much as I get love not getting arrested for not wearing pants. I'll send you the publication <laughs> template thing yeah, now. I think I, uh, I think I've seen something like it. It's really impressive. Um, I think now it's, if you actually – super. As as long as it's easy for people to use, whether it's say a, a LaTeX slash Overleaf template um, or or other templates, uh, I think it's got a much better chance of actually getting some traction there. But um, but Mike, thanks so much for thank you guys for awesome. joining so us on the fun. show. Yeah. Please, listeners, follow Mike on Twitter. Uh, he's at Mike Morrison, and uh, we are also going to be posting links to, of course, the Better Poster video, if you haven't seen it already, um, and, uh, and, and and all the resources that we've been talking about in the show. But, uh, but yeah, Mike. Dan, Dan, can I give something away? You can. <laughs> uh, <Right. laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> all right. Special, uh, special giveaway that I just designed because I'm loose. Um, a f- free... Hurts horse head to the person who can find the weirdest poster. Oh. I mean, like, weirdest design, weirdest content. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. It just has to be unusual. It doesn't have to be good or bad. It just has to be totally and completely odd. There's a Hertz horse head in it for you. Send your entries into wherever the hell this episode <laughs> ends up on the twerts or whatever else. Because... I don't know. I think we'd enjoy. I think Mike would probably enjoy as well seeing what's out there. Did you get a photo of that one thing done years ago when you were at that conference in Bulgaria where the guy was doing a live demonstration of the fecal microbiome? What have you got? Let's see what's on the table. Let us know. That sounds great. 
We'll be back again soon in, in two weeks' time for our uh, next episode of Everything Hurts. Bye, everyone. Cool. See you guys. Bye.